Well, good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Man, don't you just love this time of the year? I, I just love this time of the year. I, I love the smell of my fresh wintergreen Christmas tree. At least it was fresh for the first week or so. It smells like it's dead now. But, uh, but I, I just, I love this time of year. You know, I love putting up all the Christmas lights and the decorations. I look forward to that. And we got our tree all up, got all the ornaments on it. And two days later, every light went out. And we had to start over again. You know, I mean, that's the way it is sometimes, you know. I, but I still, I still just love Christmas. I love shopping. I love bargain hunting and finding a good deal. I love all the games on TV, football games, and there were very few that were worth watching yesterday. But, but I, I love this time of the year. And I love singing Christmas carols. I love Christmas carols. And I, I really enjoy, probably the, the service I enjoy the most is our Christmas Eve service where we have a candle lighting service, and um, I'm really excited about this Christmas Eve and the message and, and how we're going to celebrate how Christ is a light. And he said, let there be light. It's going to be awesome. I, I love that. Now, what is your favorite family Christmas tradition? What do you look forward to the most on, uh, on, on, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? What is your favorite? I left my water bottle, honey. If you grab that and throw that at me. I'm going to need that. I see it right there. And as we're doing that, you can tell me your favorite Christmas tradition. Food. <laughs> favorite family Christmas tradition. Something you do every Christmas, like eat. All right, food. What else is your favorite family Christmas tradition? Make cookies. All right, we do that, you know, with the sparkles and the little red hots. Those red hots are good on cookies. Um, hooking up Christmas lights. Christmas PJs, all right, I like to see that picture, of those little, just the two little girls, that's all right, all right, great, all right, Christmas PJs, somebody else, karaoke, this is a real spiritual group, I mean, real spiritual group, presents, she's honest, okay, yeah, that's my daughter-in-law, you know, presents is what she likes the best, and my son and her, they send me a list. You know, I love it. You know, electronically, just print it all out. Ferrari, they just print it all out, you know. It's awesome. You know, we as, as a family have had some different Christmas traditions. And I, I've got to be honest and say my wife is, is so much better about this than, than I am. And to be honest, she's tried hard over the years to set aside and to begin to start some family Christmas tradition, some things we do every year. Like my family, really the only Christmas tradition we had is we would, my dad would always sing the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 every Christmas day before we opened our presents. And, and we do that today. And, and uh, she was always trying to get us to start new Christmas traditions. And, you know, I'm, my background is Southern Baptist and like we're just like anti-tradition. At least, at least I was in my frame of reference of growing up here at First Baptist Lake Park, Florida, you know, you know, I, we, I just didn't like the idea of, of Christmas traditions, you know, and I mean, the only tradition we had in, in the Baptist church is don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go out with girls that do. I mean, that was really our tradition, you know, and, and, you know, and the Catholics were traditional, and she came from a Catholic background, so I got to admit, I really wasn't too cooperative with her, and, and now I'm kind of realizing that she was right, and I was wrong again, at least once or twice in my life that's happened, um, and, um, and, and I really wish now, and maybe it's because I'm 35, I'm getting older, um, you know, I, I really wish that we had more family Christmas traditions. I mean, the only two I can think of we have is on the day after Thanksgiving, I load the kids up and we go out and, and we cut down our own Christmas tree in our backyard. No, we, we go to, to Home Depot and buy a Christmas tree and bring it home. And then we have one other Christmas 
tradition that we've done for years. And I think we got a video when we, we started this uh, about 25 years ago. So let's, let's watch the screen. <laughs> that's my rock star son over there that will not come back to church again um, he loves to sing and that was our family Christmas tradition we get together on Christmas morning before we ever open gifts and we bring a candle out and trying to help our kids realize what the season's all about and we would sing Happy birthday to Jesus. Now that happened about 25 years ago. And for those of you doing the math, that means Jan and I had kids about age 10. And uh, that adds up to about 35. And, uh, and you know, when they were little, it was, it was kind of fun, you know, to sing happy birthday to Jesus. Now, as they got into middle school, it's like, come on, Dad, we have to do this. And we still do it now. And now the daughter-in-laws come over. They participate really good. But the sons, they, they, they still don't participate too much. And, and it used to be cute. Now, someday when we have grandchildren... It will be cute again, you know. Or maybe I say, if we have grandchildren, it will be cute again. Um, But I really do wish we had more family Christmas traditions, and I really should have listened to my wife. Honest story, one time she brought home this thing called like an Advent wreath, you know, and and she gave this thing to me, and she told us she wanted to start lighting these candles, and I looked at this thing, and had purple candle and a pink candle, and I said, this looks like an idol to me. I mean, you want us to like this thing, and, you know, and, and I, I, I didn't participate. I'm a, pa- a pastor, and I didn't participate in Advent, you know. And now we are, and I want to encourage you to do the same. I want to encourage you to go out and buy We can't even find them now. Go out and buy an Advent wreath and get some of those purple and pink candles and a white candle and, and get into the Advent season and really create some family traditions because when you look back, that's what you're going to remember the most are those special family traditions that you've established in your home and your family. And I should have listened to my wife. All right, so the, those of you who are, who are good, uh, good Presbyterians like Brent and John or good Catholics or good Methodists, I, I don't know if we have good Catholics, I'm just joking. Uh, good Episcopalians, totally joking there, all right? All right, Advent means what? Help me out, help this Baptist boy out. Advent means coming. It means arrival. Advent means, say it with me, coming or arrival it's celebrating the coming of christ some would say the second coming of christ it's celebrating the arrival of christmas and so we light a couple candles four candles the first candle kind of speaks of of prophecy and the old testament scriptures and how the old testament scriptures cry out that the messiah is coming and then the second candle kind of speaks of preparation and and god's plan to bring salvation to all his people and the third candle speaks of hope which is what we're talking about today and how Christ is our hope and he's our future hope. And then next Sunday, we're lighting the candle called, any good Presbyterians, Catholics here? The fourth candle is the candle of, well, no, that's Christmas Eve. That's Christmas Eve. What's the fourth one? It's the candle of joy. Joy. See, we don't have good Catholics in our church. (laughs) We do. I shouldn't say that's really bad. Um, because the reality is the majority of the people in our church, they're from Catholic background, 60% typically. Anyways, um, more than you need to know. So the last candle is what? Joy. Well, really, the last candle is who? 
Christ. On Christmas Eve, we're going to get together, right? And we'll light the final candle, which is Christ, and how Christ is the light of the world, and how God has loved the world, and God's love has been illuminated in the birth of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the Advent story, and we have some uh, flyers and some material to send you online. You want to find out more about that and how to buy it, how to do it at your home at night, go buy the information kiosk and pick those up. We'd love to give them to you. All right, today we want to talk about hope and how we can find hope hope this Christmas, and I think this is a great message, great title, because many of us are having a hard time finding hope this Christmas, and I kind of want to begin with this question. How do you see the problems in your life? I mean, it really starts with this. How do you see them? How do you see the difficulties, the delays, the disappointments, the alligators? How do you see the problems in your life? I mean, do you kind of see them as obstacles to hold you back, to keep you from where you want to go? Or do you see them as opportunities? Do you see them as as roadblocks or as stepping stones to a better day and a brighter tomorrow? How do you see them? Now, I need you to really think with me, and every once in a while I do this, it's kind of like singing happy birthday to Jesus. Most of you don't like it, but we're going to do it anyways. Um, And and I'd like for you right now to reach down on your lap, take your two hands, reach down on your lap, and I want you to pick up your thinking cap, all right? Grab your thinking cap, and I want you to put it on. I want you to put your thinking, come on, come on, come on, put your thinking cap on. I mean, some churches you think you go in there, you're supposed to, that's very good, Brent, very good. He's got it nice and straight. I can see it. I hope you can see it too. He's got his, you know, a lot of churches, you go to church, you think you're supposed to leave your thinking capping cap outside. We want you to think. We encourage you to think. So here's the question. You got your thinking cap on? You see mine? All right, I see yours. Good, good, okay. Here's the question. Why do we often say there's light at the end of the tunnel? Why do we say that? Just, just think. I know you got your cap on. It's hard. Some of you just want to talk all the time like me. I want you to think. You had the right answer, but I want everybody else to think and come up with that same answer. There's light. There's hope at the end of the tunnel. Light gives us hope. It gives us hope that something better is coming. If we can just hold on to hope, if we can just hold on and push through and make it through, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And some of you right now, if you're honest with me, maybe a a large percentage of you would say, you know, I just don't see too much light right now. This is Christmas, and it's the first Christmas I'm going through Christmas without a spouse, without a loved one, without a mom, without a dad. I don't see much light at the end of my tunnel. I don't have a lot of hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And I think kind of as a nation, we've kind of we've lost the light in the tunnel, haven't we? I mean, you know, I think we were losing hope that they're ever going to get along and get anything done anymore, right? And we've become kind of cynical and, and um, doubtful, discouraged. We've lost our hope. So why don't we see the light at the end of the tunnel? A couple thoughts. Number one, we live in the age of instant gratification. Can you say that word with me? Instant gratification. We don't see the light anymore because we want everything now. We want instant service, instant soup, instant success. We want faster internet speed. We want instant relationships. And we lack the virtue of delayed gratification. 
And delayed gratification, that's what we want our kids to have during the Christmas season, right? They have all the presents under the tree. They can't touch them. They can't get into them. It's, we're practicing delayed gratification. We want our kids to wait, but we don't want to wait. We want to buy things with money we don't have so we can enjoy the things that we want now. And then often we kind of choose the path of least resistance. You know, we're, our attitude is, I'm kind of game for whatever is the easiest, whatever the, is the fastest to get it done. Not the best way, excuse me, <coughs> not the right way, not the moral way, not the God-honoring way. We seem to lack this virtue of, of self-discipline. We can't seem to be able to say no to our wants and to our desires. We can't stay under the pressure. We can't stay in the tunnel. We take the path of least resistance. And let's be honest, I mean, it's just easier to quit, isn't it? It's just easier to quit than to hold on to hope. I mean, kids, when you go home after going to school all day, it's just easier to play with your, your game system than to do your homework. And adults, it's easier for us just to sit there in that chair and watch TV than it is to do good or it is to go back to school or to go online and finish your degree. It's just easier. And when you have a conflict in a relationship, it's always easier just to walk out of the room or to walk away from the conflict rather than to stay there and hold on to hope and work through the conflict. You see, we lack the virtue of endurance. We don't seem to realize that most cases the cost of quitting is greater than the effort of enduring. And we have forgotten that our hope is in who? God. Our hope isn't in ourselves. It's not in our circumstances. It's in God. Now, I'd like for each of you, if you would, to reach into your wallet or your purse, if you would right now, and uh, pull out your largest bill you have in there. All right, can you do that right now? Reach in, man. I got a 50 here. I'm doing good. Um, reach in there. Grab the largest bill you have. Hopefully somebody's got 100 or 500, maybe 1,000. Because it, it, if you got a 500,000, it's, it's trying to speak to you right now. It really is. You hear what it's saying? Put me in the offering. <laughs> no, just joking. Every, every currency you have, you got one out, you got it out. Once you get one out, once you look at it, every American currency has two things on it. Two things. Every coin, every dollar bill, every whatever bill it is. Two things. What's the first thing? It says on there what? United States of America. <laughs> That's where it's coming from. It's American money. All right. And then it says what? In God we trust. Our trust, our hope, our confidence is in God. It's not in the One World Trade Center, even if it is the largest building in America. It's not in the stock market. We are saying our hope, our trust is in God. Now, we need to understand what the word hope is. When we use the English word hope, it kind of refers to possibilities. It means like happenstance or chance. You know, I hope that Santa is coming. And I want to discourage some of you kids, but there's a slight possibility he might not show up, right? That's why in America we say, we hope Santa's coming. I mean, you need to be good, right? You know, or the fact of the matter, Santa's getting pretty old and he could get lost. Because as you get older, you kind of get lost sometimes, and Santa could get lost, and, you know, and Rudolph, Rudolph, he was on last night, he's by far my favorite reindeer. I mean, Pastor Brent loves 
uh, what's his name, Charlie Brown, and I love Rudolph. And, uh, but Rudolph could get sick, and then Santa can't go anywhere. So that's why we say we, we hope. We hope. Hope implies it's a possibility. But the Greek word, whenever you read the word hope in the, in the New Testament, it's the word ellipsis. And it means confident expectation. To have this confident hope. You're expecting it's going to happen. It's grounded and centered in our faith. Our faith in God and a good God and a faithful God. A God that keeps his promises. We're supposed to have this kind of hope. We're supposed to live with this kind of hope. I think the Apostle Paul kind of lays this out for us beautifully uh, in Romans chapter 5. So if you've got your electronic device or your hard copy, that's okay. Uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 5, and let's look at what Paul says and how we can find our hope, our, our confidence, and have hope this Christmas. Where we find our hope. Romans chapter 5. Now, Paul wrote Romans chapter 5. He's on his third missionary journey. It's about A.D. 57. He's visiting in Corinth. He's there for a little while. And while he's there, he writes this little letter. It's 16 chapters long. I mean, this was just like a personal letter. We forget that sometimes when we read the Bible. This is a, a personal letter that Paul was writing to the church at Rome. A church that he'd never been to before. And he wanted to make sure that they really understood the gospel. And he was concerned as well because I think it was A.D. 49, the Jews were, were uh, expelled out of Rome. And now some of them were coming back. And the, the church, how they, you know, they were having confusions about Israel and the church. And so Paul writes this incredible theological treaty uh, about the role of the church and the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And it's a great book. It's a theological masterpiece. You really ought to go home and read it. It might take you a little time. Great book, but right in the middle of that book, chapters 5 through 8, Paul talks about hope. Talks about hope. So Romans chapter 5, let's stand for the reading of God's word, and uh, I'll read, beginning with verse 1, and if you'll help me when we come to the highlighted part. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces... And doesn't put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who He has given to us. You may be seated. So how can we find hope this Christmas? How can we find hope? Number one, I must open my mind to God's peace. I must open my mind to God's peace. Look at verse one with me again. Paul says, therefore, since we have been, what's the word? Justified. It's used two times in the Greek New Testament. It comes from the Greek word diakonos. It means to be declared righteous. God has justified. God has declared us because of our faith in Jesus Christ, to be righteous, to be without sin, to be forgiven. I mean, this is an incredible theological term, justification. To be declared righteous, to be forgiven. That we can stand in right relationship with God. We've been forgiven of all that we've done wrong because of our faith. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by, what's the next word? By faith. We have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, man, are you willing to open your mind to the possibility that God indeed exists? 
And that God 2,000 years ago sent his one and only son to build a relationship with you so that you could be justified, so that you could be forgiven of all your bad choices in life? Are you willing to open your mind to that reality? I find that often, you know, we want to think and believe that we're open-minded, but we're not as open-minded as we think. I challenge you to open your mind. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. He says, many are far away from this life of God. I love this. It says, they have shut their minds against him. Why are many far away from God? Because they have shut their minds against him. And because they've shut their minds against him, let's read the last part together. They, what? Can't understand his ways. If you're here this morning and you're having a hard time understanding God's ways, it might be because you've shut your mind against him. And I want to invite you this Christmas to open up your mind, to open up your thinking, to open up your thoughts to the reality and to the existence of God. Romans 5 Verse 1 again, it says, uh, uh, the key to activating uh, our faith and having peace with God. It says, by what we have? By faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our faith activates our mind. Our faith opens us up and helps us to experience God's peace in our lives. So I must open my mind to God's peace. Number two, I must open my heart to God's grace. To God's grace. Look with me at verse 2. Through him, we have so obtained access by what? Faith into this grace. Incredible verse. We have this incredible grace that we're going to talk about in a minute because of our faith. In which we stand. We stand in this grace. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, grace is not the name of the lady that sings in the choir. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's it's God's riches that we experience, the riches of God through the death of Christ, through Christ's experience. Grace, it's it's undeserved favor. It's what my daughter got. She went to a traffic court. The police officer didn't show up, and they dismissed the ticket. She deserved that ticket. Let me tell you, I'm her dad. She deserved that ticket. That's what you call grace. Grace. Undeserved favor. And the truth is, we like to receive grace, don't we? But we don't like to give it. David Hagler, a sports writer from the LA Times, he wrote, Man, I was driving too fast in the snow one day in Boulder, Colorado. When the police officer pulled me over, he gave me a speeding ticket. I tried to talk him out of it by telling him how worried I was about my insurance going up. You know the spill. And, and, and what a uh, careful driver I normally was. I begged him for grace. I begged him for grace. But he said if I didn't like it, I could go to court. Well, the first game of the next baseball season... Uh, uh, David was a big sports guy, and he used to umpire, you know. And so the first game of the next baseball season, I was umpiring behind the home plate, and the first batter up was the same police officer. I recognized him. He recognized me. He nervously asked, how did the things go? How'd that ticket go in court? And I just stared at him, and I said, swing at everything. Swing at everything. See, we want grace, but we don't want to extend grace, do we? Right? I mean, it really is true. 
But God has chosen in Christ. That's why Christmas is so important. God has chosen in Christ to extend grace to us. Paul says this in Romans 3. He will accept us, acquit us, declare us not guilty for all the things that we've done wrong in life if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. We can all be saved the same way by coming to Christ no matter who we are and what we've been like. Regardless of your past, regardless of your present, regardless of what you've done, God is willing to extend grace to you. He is a God of grace, a God of forgiveness. We have to receive it. We have to open up our hearts to it. And most of us, I find, we kind of have this concept and this idea that we kind of got to earn it, that we got to do something to experience grace. We got to do something to experience faith. It's kind of like the couple in our church, and I'll, I'll keep their name uh, private, um, that uh, he decided to get for his wife one of those cleaning services for the entire year as a Christmas present. Great idea. You haven't got one yet. I think it'll probably cost you quite a bit. But anyways, he got this incredible gift for his wife, and don't get any ideas, honey, and um, and he bought this cleaning service, and, and he told me, man, she absolutely loves it. It's the best Christmas present I ever gave her. He said, she loves it, and I hate it. And I say, why do you hate it? He says, every Friday morning before I go to work, before the cleaning people come, we have to run around the house and clean the house up before the cleaning people get there. And I say every time, honey, you know, I'm paying for them to do this. Why do we have to do this? She says, I don't want them to think we're slobs. Let me tell you something. God knows that you're a slob. God knows that you've made bad choices in life. God knows that you are a sinner. You're a criminal, the Bible says. We're all criminals. We've all done wrong. God knows it. And we can't save ourselves. We just got to receive it by faith in God's grace. Now, how do I get God's grace? By opening up my heart, by believing Ephesians 2 says, God saved you by his grace when you, what's the word? Believed, when you had faith. And listen, you can't even take credit for that. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We just need to be grateful. We just need to be thankful that God is a God of love and that God is a God of grace. You activate God's grace in your life by believing. Back to Romans chapter 5, verse 2. We're justified by faith. And he says in verse 2, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. See, grace leads us to hope. Peace leads us to hope. If we want to have hope this Christmas, we've got to open our mind to God's peace. We've got to open up our heart to God's grace. And number three, I must open up my will to God's power. Look at these two verses. I think these are the richest verses, deep verses. Look what Paul says here. Not only that, that was all good. <laughs> Not only that, but we can, or Paul's saying he is, we rejoice in our, what's the word there? Suffering. Sometimes Paul didn't see light at the end of the tunnel. It looked pretty dark, tough. He had it rough. He had God's favor in his life and his life was full of pain and problems and persecution and he was in jail. 
Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces what? Hope. Hope. Paul says we rejoice in our suffering. That's a choice I can make and you can make to open up my will to the power of God, to believe that God is at work behind the scenes. Even though I don't understand the why, it's a faith and hope that God is at work behind the scenes. We can open up our will to God's power by choosing to sit in that chair of thanksgiving, by rejoicing in our suffering, knowing that God wants to, God's not the author of our suffering, but God wants to use our suffering for his glory, and for our ultimate good. Because suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This hope. You know, one of the things that makes me such a strong advocate of faith in Jesus Christ is being at the graveside, being there in the room when, when uh, people die, and seeing the way family members respond to the lost people that don't have faith it's amazing they have no hope and you can just see it but those that have faith in the midst of great loss and they cry and they grieve but there is hope there's hope there it's still there do you remember when um when we first moved into this building i had a, a incredible opportunity to interview a guy by the name of Rich DeVos. Rich is the owner of the Orlando Magics and he was a co-founder of Amway and, and he came in and we had him again years ago in our church. He's always been just such a gentleman and such a rock star and such a gracious man. And uh, he shared with us um, about his heart and he was dying and he was really on his deathbed for months, probably even past a year and he couldn't get a heart because he was so old in America they wouldn't give him a heart and and he was basically waiting to die, and he found a heart, you know, in London. And uh, you can read the story. You can Google it. And then he, he talked about, at the same time, how he, how he loved to sail. And the thing about sailing you learn is that you're not in control of your circumstances. You're not in control of the wind. Now, you try to listen to the wind and respond to the wind, but you can't control the wind. And then Rich said this, and I, and I quote him. So is life full of those unsettled conditions those changes in our circumstances. And those changes, they can break us or they can make us. It's not how we handle the good days that determines how well we do in life. It's how we handle the bad days. It's hope in God that lights my way along life's path and shines a comforting glow on death's door. There was a comforting glow in his life as he laid on death's door. For me, whatever the wind blows my way, hope, it's constant. That is why I always trust the Lord and hope for the best. And what the Apostle Paul is trying to say here is that suffering produces something worthwhile in us. And because suffering produces something worthwhile in us, we can rejoice in it. It's kind of like the birth of a child. And all the pain, you're in this tunnel of despair and hurt and pain, but you push through because there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's that birth of that beautiful son or that gorgeous, precious little daughter. And you push through the pain because of the hope 
Paul says we can push through the pain and the suffering and the hard times in our life because of the hope that we have in Christ. We can rejoice in our sufferings. We can embrace our pain. God will grow this confident expectation in us if we will open up our will to God's power. Number four, I need to open up my, help me out here. First, I must open up my mind to God's, God's peace, okay, that's like point number one. Uh, Number two, I must open up my heart to God's grace, and I must open up my will to God's, and number four, I must open up my life, and I can't emphasize that enough, my life, the entirety of my life, I need to open up my life to God's love. Look at verse five. And hope doesn't put us to shame. You know, I've been accused of before in times past of holding on to hope. What does this verse say here? Hope doesn't put us to shame. Hope will not disappoint us if our hope is in Christ. Hope doesn't put us to shame because God's, what's the word? Love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We feel God's great love for us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I must open up my life to the filling, to the empowerment of God's Spirit, of God's love. No one will ever love you more than God loves you. He loves us all unconditionally. It's not based upon anything you do. It's based upon the fact that He created you. He made us. He loves us, and he wants to be in relationship with us. That's what God wants more than anything else, to be in a relationship with you where you talk with him and pray with him and walk with him. You do life with him. You open yourself up to his love. Every day, every step of the way, you just open yourself up to his love. You know, it's it's, kind of what every parent wants for Christmas, those parents of us, or I guess if you're a parent, you have kids, um, and, and, and what you want for Christmas as a parent, <coughs> your, your, the Christmas gift you're wishing, we usually don't say it, but we go out and we spend all this money we don't have to buy gifts for our kids that we love in hopes that they will do what? That they will love us back. I mean, we just want to be loved. We love them in hopes that they'll love us back. And, and God, our Father, is a lot like that. He loves us. And he loves us so much that he gave his only son to be born in a manger, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to shed his blood, so in, in the hope that we will choose to love him back. God loves you. And I know you've heard that hundreds of times, but that love doesn't change your life until you experience it. You've got to experience the love of God in your life by putting your faith, faith activates God's love, by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You see, there is light at the end of the tunnel. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. He's the hope of the world. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. It's Jesus. Can we bow our heads in prayer? God wants to give us hope this morning. The hope of Christmas. The hope of Christ. The hope of heaven. The hope of eternal life. Will you open your mind to God's peace? Can you open your mind to God's peace now?
Can you say, God, I'm willing to lean in to your existence, that you love me? Can you open your heart to God's grace? Can you say, God, I realize that there's nothing I can do to save myself. I open my heart to your grace. And can you pray this morning, God, help me to show grace to others. Can you open your will to God's power? Right now, can you pray that? God, I I open my will to your power. Fill me with your spirit. God, I need you. Help me to rejoice in my suffering. Help me to find you in the midst of my pain. And can you open your heart to God's love? Can you pray, God, fill me. Fill me up with you. Fill me up with your spirit. Can you pray right now and say, God, I love you. And I want to serve you for the rest of my life. God, we thank you for the hope that we have. We thank you for the hope of Christmas. We thank you that you are the light at the end of the tunnel. Help us to share your hope with others during this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.